Craftsman, episode one. Dwayne. David. A while ago, we discovered this series on, it used to be HBO, and now it's just called Max. Max. And it's called The Craftsman with Eric Hollenbeck. And uh, you watched some of it. I watched some of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we were so taken by it, we thought it would be a good framework to spend some time episode by episode. Just watch the episode and then talk about it. Because I would like to point as many people as I possibly can <laughs> to yeah. this program. It's absol- It's beautifully shot, um, edited well, and the subject... Eric Hollenbeck is uh, just a wonderful human being. He is in general, not just his work, but as a person. Yes. He seems to be to be really uh, connected with people and giving back and uh, helping people find their happiness and uh, all kinds of things other than being just a uh, craftsman. Yeah, he's he's one of these craftsmen that works at an extremely high level, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't fallen into a trap of um, thinking that he is better than everyone else or has some sort of gift that makes him um, extra. Right. If anything, he's realized that he does have a gift and he's relieved that at least he's good (laughs) enough to be normal. Right. Because most of his life, you know, he, he's, thought that he was um wasn't smart right and, yeah and, he struggled with that for, for in his youth especially yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that left a mark on him and uh and so here he is all these years later and it's just amazing to see what he's done yeah. so uh-huh. if we just go right into this episode the first episode focuses on rebuilding a trolley Yes. That uh, he helped design and build for the downtown area uh-huh. of Eureka, California. Yes. Yes. Back in 1980. Was it 83 some, or 85? Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was in an effort to sort of like rejuvenate the downtown area and bring people in and have a trolley that would take them to different shops. Right. Right. It sounded like you went to the to the different shop owners. Yeah. And talk to them about putting something together to kind of revitalize, revamp um, the attractiveness right. of the downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and this town that he lives in, Eureka, it's where he was born and raised. Yeah. He said he grew up six, six or eight blocks from where his right. shop was. Right. And uh, he just, he loved his town so much that he just could not let it die. Right. And uh, so this trolley was to was to bring people back um, because showed pictures of the town. It looked like it was in kind of disrepair. Right. At the, at the time that he put the trolley together. It was probably right in the middle of a recession. Yeah. If it was in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he did also mention that, that that town Eureka had 68% of its original buildings still intact, which is unheard of. Yeah. in, In small towns. Yeah. And on top of that, the architecture, 
that um, makes up that town is just amazing. It is. A lot of Victorian yeah, yeah. houses, the tall, the, the just... the All of the molding, and, and then yeah. also those like unbelievable colors. Yeah. Right? Oranges and green. I'm sure it's played up now, you know, because yeah. it's historic, and, and so yeah. they're kind of playing to it, but it's just... Um, yeah, it, they're very vibrant, but yeah. it's not... It doesn't feel overdone. It just right. feels like... Period. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, just absolutely. Uh, again, it it probably adds to the appeal of the um, the production overall because mm-hmm. as you drive through the town, it's showing shots of these beautiful houses yeah. and everything that um, you know that makes up that town. And I, I think it's interesting that he grew up in that town, but he still has this affinity for it. You see so many people that grow up in a town and all they want to do is go as far away from it as possible. Yeah. And he obviously loves being there, has a relationship with people. You yeah. see him driving down the road and he's waving at construction workers. And I mean, yeah. And he knows he, all their names. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just a fantastic setting for yeah. this. And, and in this episode, what he's focusing on is uh, apparently this trolley has been out of service for quite some time. It appeared to be, yeah. Yeah, and so they've given him the opportunity to go back and uh, basically renew everything in it, mm-hmm. restore it. But then also he was given a little bit of liberty to make some changes to it. And yeah. so um, it was so fascinating. You know, he did it what they say his wife mentioned 30 years ago. Yeah. And there's things he's learned in the last 30 years. What he wanted to do was apply it, yeah. you know, to rebuilding that. Like uh, in one section, he was uh, casting aluminum. that was a gold leafed and it was an accent piece. Uh-huh. And he just mentioned, he was like 30 years ago. I didn't know how to do this. Right. But now's my chance. Right. Which is so, um, if that doesn't describe a craftsman, I don't know what does. Yeah. And that if you let them have a chance to go back and work on something they did 20 years ago, it's like they've remembered that project so well that they're like, right. you know what I wish I had done? Yeah. And they jump right back into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I don't know a craftsman alive that when you're like, you know, tell me about your first project. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. here's all the issues. And they're like, yeah. well. But it's beautiful now. Like, yeah, but it could have been better. Exactly. I would have done this and this. Like, so, yeah. Do you have a project like that? Like you, that you could uh, go back to and, and just. Yeah. Help and put those little, little finishes on or. I, absolutely. Or there are, there are projects that, that I did a long time ago and I had limited tools and knowledge. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I finished it out the best way I could. But I remember thinking there's somebody that could do this way better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you think, oh, if I had another chance to go back at that, like, just give me one day with it. Yes. You know, I could fix that one thing. No one else cares, mind you. Right. Uh, including the person that owns it. Because right. I've even approached some of the old owners and been like, hey, there's this one. <laughs> I could go in and I could do this, this, and this. And yeah. they kind of look at me and they're like, well, okay, but, uh, but why? <laughs> and I'm like, well, because it, it would... And they're like, but it would basically look the same. And I'm like, yeah, but on the inside, it'd be joined different. See, yeah, that? and yeah, it'd be more secure. And yeah. That, yeah, or or just, you know, I welded that when I could have forged it. Yeah, 
you know, because I didn't know how to forge that shape. Right. And they're like, but it'll be the same. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, so you get lost in that, like trying to make it better. Yeah. Um, And he's given a shot at that, you know, this thing that he made. And uh, so it's pretty fascinating because um, in this, they have it there in his, his yard of his sawmill. And when I say Mm -hmm. yard, I mean, it's like a, a lay down yard, you know, where you have equipment and, yeah so all these buildings all the buildings he has some acreage yes there uh and yeah several buildings and it looks looks to be like each building has has a purpose or has Mm -hmm. no specific equipment in it or uh or something and all all his tools are none of them are like from home depot Mm -mm. <laughs> I counted two or three of those that were 1880, uh-huh. 1890. Yeah. I think one of the newest ones was 19-teens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't see, other than the big square head shaper machine, yeah. the other ones he used were foot-powered. Yes. Pedal-powered. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he... Well, I was fascinated by, he had a machine called a picket pointer. Yeah. Which was uh, a very sharp, like, industrial knife, like a planer blade. Yeah. That would actually cut that picket point Yeah, onto those. And then he went into detail explaining why it was important to cut that into the shape. Because it would actually burnish the wood and close the grains. And he made the example of... Um, you know, think of wood like a, a bundle of straws. Yeah. And so that open end of the straws, you need to close those. Yeah. And this thing from 1880 did the job like perfectly. Yeah. Had it's, it all figured out. Yeah. And so he, he's just like, yeah, this is what I use, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the other, uh, where he was doing that, that large oval, big piece, oval. Mm-hmm. and that was pedal powered. And it, it looked to me, now you're going to chuckle when I describe this because I don't know that much about <laughs> woodwork, but but it almost looked like a router that came up through a small table yeah. and a router blade. But he said there was something different about that and that it would cut both directions. It wasn't a directional knife. Right. Um, and then that was literally connected to a shaft that went to a little um, sprocket. Uh-huh. And then was hooked up to literally a set of pedals. Yeah. So he sat on it like a bicycle and he could pedal it forward or pedal it backwards. Right. Depending on which way the grain was going. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. It was. And in using a router and having to read the grain on a piece of wood after destroying many, many <laughs> pieces, <laughs> I'm like that, that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like there, a regular router will go in one direction. Like yeah. you have to do several different things if you have to go against the grain or it will it will just shatter out and it will destroy it right. whatever piece of wood you're working on. So the fact that it could go both ways and it was from eighteen ninety eighteen ninety, I think. Yeah. Like somebody was like, Well this this isn't working right. Maybe if we go the other way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, that works. And then today we're like, ah, oh, it's terrible. We can only go this one way. Uh-huh. Like we've digressed. 
Almost. We, we have because in some ways we've removed the craftsman from the machine. Yeah. The machine is now powered by a motor and it's less expensive to have the motor just go one direction right. because we use AC. and right. You know, so it just makes it too complicated. So they're like, nope, this is the way it comes. Get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, because the craftsman was so attached to the machine yeah so in tune with the work and there's also this understanding that well this is going to be operated by someone that that can read the grain of the wood right (laughs) you know uh so yeah it's absolutely i mean that machine and then that square head cutter Mm -hmm. that he was saying was like only one of nine or four in the U.S., and the, yeah, still in operation. That could actually cut those types of uh, moldings. It was just fascinating. Um, and I, he actually shapes his own knives. Like, he's advanced enough that he can yeah. do that. You know, yeah. and they, they, I think they dive into that later. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about a person that doesn't just shape wood to um, a certain shape. You're talking about someone who has such an in-depth knowledge that they make and maintain their own tooling to do that, which is a different level of craftsman. It is. It is. It's not like keeping a a chisel sharp in your tool pouch. Right. Um, You're a, a mechanic. Yeah. You know, in a sort. Yeah. Along with whatever craft that you're, you're perfecting. You you drive the race car and you can also work on the race car. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and he's he's one of those people, which yeah. is, uh, again, part of the reason I respect him so much. Is yeah. He's not just going for a certain design um, and leaves it up to technology or other people to come up with the solution. Yes. He's like, we're going to have to make a special tool for this. Yeah. And he's capable of it. He is capable, which he went into his backstory a little of, uh, I think he was 16 when he quit school Uh because everybody told him he was, he was stupid. Yeah. That's what the word he used. Yeah. Um, because he couldn't read and he couldn't spell. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to the woods then and I'm going to make a living in the woods. And he, he was a logger for who knows how many years um i don't think he specified how long he was a logger before he started being a a craftsman maybe they there was quite an overlap in the two as well i i think it was punctuated by his uh going to vietnam oh i yeah. think that's yeah um but it, the point that you brought up about him feeling like he didn't fit or mm-hmm. he was stupid or it, his words um yeah. i would never define him as that um, when I watched that, that really struck a chord with me because I have always struggled with, um, reading and basically what I didn't understand. There wasn't words for it necessarily is dyslexia. Yeah. yeah. And so I spent, oh, goodness, the first 20 years of my life, um, uh, being very frustrated that I couldn't, um, I couldn't make it look easy like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and still to this day, like I, I run 
every text message, every email, everything that I own <laughs> through some sort of filter <laughs> that will just double check for just what would normally be very simple spelling errors, punctuation errors, or things like that. Just yeah. I've always had a struggle with that. And so when I watched that and I saw him, and you can tell he's still like still bothers him. Uh, man, that struck a chord with me because I was like, I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. Um, through uh, really good support network and parenting and everything else, I and I am able to memorize things. Yeah. Um, you know, I made it through all of regular education and on into university, and you know, everything's fine. But I still. Still can't spell, yeah. <laughs> you know it, yeah. and so it's interesting to me that um, that he was willing to share that and and say that that is um, something that sort of made him feel lesser than for most of his life. It and, did, yeah. it did. I wonder what part of what part of the of the drive he has was fueled by that, you know. By the the teacher's words or the labels that were put on him in that time. I, I can't speak for him, but I know that um, that for me, that has certainly been uh, uh, a motivating factor. Yeah. To um, like, a, I'll show you type of thing or just a, I'm going to prove yeah. you wrong. You know, I, I think... Yeah, I'm not a psychologist, but I'll, but I'll say that to have the attitude of I show I will show you mm-hmm. in my mind means that you have some sort of anger and you have some sort of um like this vitriolic feeling of uh you have to express this anger. Yeah. Um and I think for most of my life I wasn't coming from that place. I was coming from a place of shame. Oh, okay. And and I need to work this hard so that I'm on a level playing field with everyone else. Oh, okay. So it, you know what I mean? It was coming from maybe a slightly different place. Yeah. But it was still very powerful. Right. Of no one wants to feel like... um you know, they're lesser than everyone else or there's something wrong with their brain, you know, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and you can see he dealt with it in a a very constructive way. Um, and so I find that really fascinating and, and, and heartening too. Um, so yeah, uh, it really struck a chord with me though, that, that it turns out that, and the more you, read about and understand uh, dyslexia and the way the brain works. Um, there's obviously a minus to it, yeah, but there are pluses that aren't readily apparent, like the ability to visualize things in 3d, mm-hmm. um, without going into neuroscience that I won't even begin to try and profess that I'm very good at or, or understand fully. But, um, you know, those neurons, instead of being in a certain part of the brain, yeah. they wind up sort of settling in a different part of the brain, which um, 
So other other parts are are enhanced. For every minus, there is a plus. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a lot of small business owners uh, actually uh, register somewhere on the dyslexic yeah. scale. There's lots and lots of them. Yeah. Partly because they knew that nobody would keep them hired if they couldn't write a report every week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. all the things that come with like a normal job. Yeah. Sort of specification. It's rough. Huh. But yeah. Yeah. I imagine you're, you said you could, you could memorize things. Mm-hmm. So not everyone can, can do that. Um, your ability to talk hyper-focus to retain that information. I'm sure it was heightened um, because of that. Certainly had some practice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it comes in handy on other other areas. Yeah, definitely. But uh, but that that's part of the reason that whenever I watched this, I was just completely engrossed. Right. I was like, he's one of my people. <laughs> yeah. I, and for me, it's almost like looking 30 years into the future. Yeah. And he's okay. And he's happy with life. And... Seems like he's made a a great job of um, being content, yeah. having good people around him, yeah, and creating this thing that obviously has value. Yeah, you know. yeah. His whole family was there helping out. Like he obviously has a great relationship yeah. with with his family. His yep. two daughters were there, and mm-hmm. his wife, and they mm-hmm. were all, you know, had a paintbrush or a chisel or they had tools in their hand they weren't just what they didn't just come out every once in a while and see what he's doing and then go yeah. back in his daughter yeah. gloved up and got in the foundry with him absolutely so it yeah. was it was great to see that you know some people make make amends later in life with family that mm-hmm. that they've uh harmed in right. some way in the past and it looked like he cultivated through life yeah um kind of being that that family man as well right um he had pictures of his daughters when they first did the trolley yeah yeah that was fascinating and they were tiny they were they were six seven years old maybe yeah and and they were saying how they didn't have this normal upbringing you know they were raised with like tools in their hand right learning how to do this yeah do that so I i think that's he obviously made it a family affair. Absolutely. Through his entire career. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And sorry, I got off on a tangent about the, the reason I identify with him so much. Um, <laughs> but the the first episode is absolutely fantastic because it goes so much into some of his personal life, talking about the first time he built it, and then also yeah. talking about as they go through it. And find these things. Remember when he found the roof and how there was a gutter yeah. that came off of the top? And then the camera cuts to him and he's sitting in his workshop and he's like, when I built this 30 years ago, that's what I thought I should do. Yeah. And with no ego or anything, he was just like, yeah, I was wrong about that. So this is what we did to fix it. Yeah. He's just like, like no ego in it. Yeah. He he was excited that he had learned so much. Yeah. That now he had a chance to, to enhance make those it changes. And make it better. Yeah. yeah. Um, which goes back to just the kind of person he is. He just seems like a the you would willingly give him thirty minutes of your time to watch a an episode. Certainly. You know, he's not um a typical TikTok 
type person. No. You know? No, no, no. And he you can tell that he's he's more excited about the actual work and creativity yeah. and and uh and giving back and and it's building and creating. Yeah. Other than than money. Right. He he even said that he goes the money's not that was yeah where the reward is mm-hmm. he goes the reward is you know in the process yeah and making someone else happy and and uh brightening their day it's not it's not the money the paycheck is not like that's not the payday anymore yeah i thought it was interesting because he said that whenever you are young it is about getting the job finished because there's the paycheck at the end. Yeah. And then as you get older, it's more about how can I make it better yeah. and less about the paycheck at the yeah. end. And uh, you could see because he was even adding some embellishments, you know, that weren't originally there. Yeah. And he was so excited about it. Did you see how, you know, after he did the picket pointer and he made those pieces? Yeah. Then he took that Forstner bit. That's the right word, right? Yes. Okay. And drilled the hole through it. Yeah. And then he laid him out on the table and he was like a little kid. He was, he was like, look at this, look at this. This looks this way, but this one, it looks totally different. Yeah. He was genuinely. Oh, giddy yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's a guy that loves what he's doing. Absolutely. That's absolutely lost in it. Yeah. And in the shop is, it's just amazing because it's huge. It's like cavernous and it looks like it's, really tall ceilings and they yeah. have some nice camera shots of just all the things that he has in this shop. Yeah. Wood stacked in different places and then examples of molding on the mm-hmm. walls and tools. And it's just, it's, it's organized, but it has a little bit of chaos. It does. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if you were like, Hey, where's this tool? He could be it. like, I don't know exactly. I know it's in this area of the shop. <laughs> yes and he'll go over and he'll dig around for a while and and he could find a hundred whatever it was yeah it didn't matter if he didn't see it for the last 30 years yes he still knows pretty much where it's at yeah yeah and then he has all of these old tools that he keeps either in a place or kind of just off of this one main area that he can bring out yeah and use them you know for the exact perfect thing right uh it's just the whole thing is amazing it is it's uh like i imagine when when the children went into willy wonka's factory right that's what they that's what they felt yeah it has to be that's the chord it strikes for me for for a fellow craftsman me too um and i think something else that he said that i thought was significant was he said if you call yourself a master, it's implying that you've already learned everything there is. Right. You've arrived. Right. And yeah. if you if you call me a master, then you might as well start kicking dirt on me because yeah. I'm dead. I'm done know? I'm done learning. Yeah. I'm and done. so again, you see that humility and yeah. and just um he just seems so comfortable in his skin. Uh-huh. Maybe that's the term I'm trying to the, the phrase that I'm trying <laughs> to find. Yeah. Uh he just, um, I don't know. I would hope to meet him one day. I, I do too. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. And in documenting working on this trolley, they found 
the gutter issue, and then they found a few other things like the would that be called the running board or the first step of the trolley? Yeah. So I think you can with the trolley you can either get on and like sit in mm-hmm. the on the benches or you can like hop up on the side. Just stand. And yeah, stand like on a subway yeah. where you grab a hold and just stand all the way to your destination and get off. And I think that was the it wasn't really a platform, it was more of a step. Yeah. Um but yeah, the lower lower step on that on the side of the trolley that mm-hmm. you could get on and step on. Yeah, it was rotted and just disintegrating. Yeah. When they found it. Which credit to the editor um that put this show together, they don't cut all of that out. They show Whenever they find this problem, uh-huh. whenever they find this problem, uh-huh. you know, and they just takes it in stride and goes to the sawmill, finds, yeah. I'm assuming that was Redwood. He said it was Doug Fur. Oh, was it Doug Fur? I okay. Thought, yeah. Um, it, what was it? Three inches by 12 inches yeah. by 10 feet long. Yeah. 10 or 12 feet long. Yeah. It had to be at least nine feet, I think, to make that step. Right. Right. But yeah. And so he goes across town in his van that looks early nineties. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd say so. It has miles. It it's seen some things. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely no logo on it. No, not a one. White van. Yep. But and everybody that saw him, they knew who knew it was. was him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, understated. He he never wears a logo. No. The he, guys that work for him, mm-hmm. um, Luis and Caesar, Caesar, um, they weren't wearing logoed shirts or hats, um, keychains. Like they didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any yeah. of the things either. Yeah. Um, the only thing I saw was the sign mm-hmm. out by the road. Mm-hmm. which was small. It was right. not a billboard size advertisement. Right. And then in the, by the door of the front office, there's a giant lumberjack. Is that Paul Bunyan? I, I believe it's yeah. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Because the name of the business is Blue Ox. Blue Ox. So that would be Babe the Blue Ox. Right. Yeah. Right. And knowing that he's a logger now. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of ties it all together. Yeah. And Platt is sort of synonymous with uh, with a logger lumberjack you know, so, yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he's he's always in plaid, double plaid sometimes. Yes. Plaid shirt, mm-hmm. plaid jacket. He embraces the plaid life. Yeah, and it's very yeah. His daughters were a bit more stylish with their plaid. They were wearing plaid as well. Yeah. You, now that you mentioned that, <laughs> yeah, it's so. Uh, it's almost like the dress code, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, and then towards the end, as they're putting this whole thing together, um, they do like absolute beautiful job with it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they've put a lot of work into it. That wasn't necessarily on camera. Right. Um, I don't know how long it took to do that process, but it was lengthy. Yeah, I would think so. Um, but they did, as I said earlier, they did the casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did some gold leaf uh, work on it. Yeah. 
They also put in the black and white photograph. Yeah. I think there was a few historical photographs so. that were um, positioned on the exterior. Yeah. Uh, for viewing of passerbys. And, yeah. And whatnot. Of the original, like, look earlier the, Eureka. Yeah. Maybe not original, but early. The cars look like they were in the 20s. Yeah. You know, from those black and white photographs. Yeah. So it's probably sort of... Um, bustling time sure at uh, city um yeah i just think that um that that whole i in in my head i imagine that this first episode was sort of a test to see are people interested yeah and how well does he connect with the audience yeah and so they probably filmed it over a long period of time, and then they um, edited it all down and created something and put it out there. And I think they got a resounding yes. Yeah, people will watch this. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the editing and mm-hmm. and uh, and um, how they filmed it earlier as well. And it's not commercialized. No, like a lot of them are. It's not like let me grab my name brand drill. <laughs> To put yeah. this, you know, he's, it, yeah. it's not, there's not, not selling vitamins, ad or, placements in it or right. anything. And, uh, also there's no created drama. Correct. In it. Oh man. That's a really good point, which used to be all through fabrication yeah. shows, yeah. uh, the nineties, the two thousands, two thousand tens. It was a soap opera for men. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And for people that aren't interested in that you were just like i'll just watch with the sound off (laughs) you know but with this you actually want to watch it because you want to hear what he has to say right yeah yeah he's calm he didn't throw any tools no yell at anybody no no he had a lot of dad jokes (laughs) yeah but you know like everybody tolerated it because it was just like well that's just that's just him that's who he is yeah i I think the show is like one of the best things on television. Yeah. And if I have a chance, I'll watch three or four episodes all back to back. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, And you, you finish watching that feeling better than whenever you started. Yeah. Which I can't say for, for a lot of other television shows. What's, what's the, What's the biggest thing about this that resonates with you? Like whenever you watch this and whenever you watch this show, like I I was telling you part of what made me connect to him. Yeah. What is it for you whenever you, I told you about it and you watched it and you were like, that's all right. I'm going to keep watching. What was it? Oh, a lot of things. So the fact that there was no drama or ad placements or anything that was commercialized. I I appreciate that. I appreciate that he's a a real person, Mm -hmm. a genuine person. Like you can tell that he's not scripted, Mm -hmm. um, that they're just kind of onlookers on his life. They're not like, Mm -hmm. okay, pose with this. Fly on the walls. Yeah. 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 So I, I appreciate that. But also knowing the the journey that he's been on of, you know, coming up and being self-taught and mm-hmm. uh, 
and just figuring it out. And he said in there one time, he emphasized it. He's like, this took years to learn. Like, I, I understand that. Yeah. Because I remember starting out when I was 18, trying to, to trim a house mm-hmm. and to figure out how to, you know, what a miter cut was. Like, you know, basic carpenter things. And uh, that journey of where I started... And where I've come and what I've seen and the things that I've experienced and the knowledge base I have now, I, I could really connect with that journey mm-hmm. that he took, that he went on, um, that he's still on. Yeah. And uh, say he's, he mentioned he was in his 70s. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's, he's still learning. Right. And he's still, still excited, that excited about what he does. I, I get that way. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get on certain projects and I make something come together or work or I get to do some design or have some artistic freedom in order to make something fit a space, I, I'll get that giddy feeling too. Yeah. You know, because you're that creative juice or, or whatever you want to call it um, comes alive and it makes you feel like you're you're worthy, I guess. Yeah. Like your talent is appreciated, mm-hmm. um, that they trusted you enough to give you that freedom to do that. Right. So I would say that's, that's probably where I connect with him. Yeah. Yeah. And he mentioned that, uh, it's only been in the last 10 years that they started charging what they were worth. Yeah. And if that doesn't strike a chord with a craftsman, I don't know what will. Absolutely. Because every craftsman I've ever talked to can tell me um, that they were just, they weren't charging enough when they first started. Yeah. And the, the thing that's a shame about that is how many craftsmen did we lose that couldn't make it through the first few years because they weren't charging enough and if they had charged just a little bit more, I'm not talking double or triple, yeah, just a little bit more, that they could have gone over that hump and gone on to become professional craftsmen. Yeah. Instead of having to stop that and go back to whatever was safe, or whatever yeah. was secure. And I, yeah. com- I don't fault anyone for doing that um, because you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. But um, I think a craftsman that really loves what they're doing has a really hard time charging for it. it. Definitely. Especially starting out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the so going into the fact that he's like, I'm still learning. I'm not a master. Don't yeah. call me that. You still feel like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know all of it. So I can't charge because exactly. it's a learning process. I'm still learning. I can't charge somebody because of my lack of knowledge. Yes. So, yeah, it, it, the true craftsmen have have an issue, definitely, in, in trying to figure out their worth and transferring that into charging for it. Well, because for me, I've always felt like I'm playing against myself. Yeah. Once I go through that struggle to learn how to do something, I feel silly that the first time it took me so long yeah, 
And so I'm like, well, I can't charge them for that. <laughs> and so you only charge them for how long would it take you to do it now, now that you know how. Yeah. Which once you know how and you've tried those other four ways, you're like, well, it should have only taken two hours. So you charge them for two hours. Yeah. But then when it comes time to pay your bills, no one cares. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you no. still have to pay those. And, you know, if you're looking at billable hours and you're like, you only had 10 billable hours this week. What are you, lazy? And you're like, no, I work like 60. <laughs> well, why didn't you charge for them? Well, because yeah. now that I've learned these things, I know I could do it faster. Yeah. And it's, can you weather that storm of years of doing that and trying to be uh, a good steward of other people's money uh, and still come out on the other side and, and able to keep the lights on? Yeah, that's a slippery slope. Trying to balance all that. They say playing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mind you, you and I both started before YouTube. He mm-hmm. certainly started, he started before the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot, like in this generation, um, I think whenever someone has a new challenge or something that they have to accomplish, one of the first things you think is, I'm going to YouTube it. Yeah. I'm just going to type this in and I'm going to watch the first three videos. Yeah. And it'll take 30 minutes, but I will have gained so much knowledge. Yeah. I would have done anything for that resource whenever I was starting. Yeah. I did not have it. So you were, it was just you in a shop. Yeah. I remember going to bookstores and yeah. scouring shelves for a book. Yeah. And then I would thumb through it. If it had something close to what I needed to know, I would buy the book. Right. Then I would go home and spend hours reading, rereading, and then I would spend the next, you know, eight hours when I should have been sleeping right. trying to figure out in my mind yeah. how I was going to do it. And then the next day I would get up and I would, you know do test cuts Mm -hmm. and test fits and, you know, put pieces of scrap together to make sure it would do what I want. Yeah. And then start charging for my time. Exactly. I was about to ask, did you charge for any (laughs) of that time? No. You know, and and that's what becomes um, so difficult whenever Mm -hmm. you're a craftsman and you're trying to um, charge for what you do because you – you feel guilty because you're like, well, this is me educating myself. Right. And I, I don't think that that's completely wrong, but you can spend days and weeks trying to get up to speed on how to complete this thing. Yeah. And then you only charge for a tiny sliver at the end. And, <laughs> yeah. and you wonder why it's hard to uh, make all the ends meet. Yeah. Um, and that's a real struggle. And, and I, I don't have any sort of malice towards this generation that has all the resources. If anything, I think it's great. I think YouTube will save craftsmanship. Yeah. There's so much information that is conveyed and exchanged and taught. Mm-hmm. Not just on YouTube, but just in the comment section underneath where you can actually write a question to the guy that posted the video, yeah. you know, and yeah. they might respond back and they can save you like all of this mm-hmm. effort. Um, but I am reminded 
by a sort of a principle that I've heard about in psychology and in learning, which is the easier something comes to you, the easier it is for you to forget it or not appreciate it. Very true. So for people that were not able to sort of immediately get their answer and that information was hard won, yeah. I think they have a tendency to hold on to it longer. Absolutely. And, yeah. and roll that around in their head and maybe draw parallels between that and other problems. Yeah. So, you know, there's a good and a bad to having information at your fingertips. There is. There is. I've, you and I had a conversation. We've probably had it multiple times where I'm like, hey, I'm going to try this thing. I watched a couple of videos. Um, and then I'll come back and be like, all right, I, I tried it once. And you'll be like, great. About 13, 14 more times and you'll know the right questions to ask. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be hateful by saying that. No, absolutely not. It, absolutely not. It, But it's true. Yeah. Like in doing you will figure out the correct questions to ask. Yeah. A lot of questions will answer themselves in the process. Right. That process takes time. Yeah. Like it's not a, a 30 second or 30 minute clip on, on YouTube. Right. That you're going to watch and have all the answers. Right. I can watch hours of YouTube. Yeah. And then go try and do it. And like my hands don't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to teach yourself to do it. That, Something that that's is, difficult. Yeah, exactly. I can watch I can watch 12 hours of um a violin player playing <laughs> playing the violin. Yeah. I promise you I'm not going to pick one up and make any sort of thing that you want to hear. No. And people understand that about instruments, but they don't always draw that parallel to a tool that spins at 10,000 RPMs, it can kill you. No. They're like, how hard could it be? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it turns out pretty hard. Yeah. You know, um, with some dire consequences. Yeah. It's not just something that's hard to listen to. It's uh, driving yourself to the ER, um, yeah. which I've done before. I'm sure you have to. I have to. Yeah. So there is, um, yeah, I guess that's the, um, that's the elevated consequences of trying mm-hmm. to be a craftsman is that you, there's also a certain amount of risk yeah. and that you're operating tools and machines and things that uh, if they do a good job at shaping whatever material that you're trying to shape, yeah, I promise you they won't even notice the difference whenever they start cutting you no. <laughs> compared to it'll actually be easier they'll run a will. little smoother they will <laughs> yeah won't even really make a lot of noise no yeah except for the noise you make you yes <laughs> yeah so in in that's i i guess that's interesting right like uh you want your child to be a computer programmer doctor lawyer what you know all these things because those also have a, an inherent amount of safety yeah you know what i mean yeah Whereas the idea, I have two daughters, and I'm certainly not pushing them to be um, a metal craftsman or a blacksmith or <laughs> yeah. anything along those lines. Because I'm like, hey, this this can be 
dangerous. If yeah. You're not paying attention. Yeah. That we've had this conversation before. It's one thing to pay attention when things are exciting. It's another thing to pay attention whenever it's not necessarily exciting, but you have to pay attention. Yeah. Because if you don't, the consequences are high. Yeah. And so I've seen people be able to pick up, um, you know, you name it, any sort of tool, and they do a pretty good job. And they're like, all right, I got it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm kind of backing away, and I'm still staring at them, and I'm like, uh, what's going to happen in like 10 minutes when they sort of tune out and they're thinking about something else? Do yeah. Can they, at some sort of base level, pay attention enough to be aware of where are their hands, where yeah. are their feet? Yeah. You know, is this person going to get tangled up in this thing? Or, right. You know, and so it's. Right. I saw you, you pull, pull a guy aside today and be like, hey, when you're working on the lathe, yeah. tuck the strings of your hoodie yeah. inside of it because it'll just take off. Yeah. And yeah. It'll, it'll pull you right into it. Yeah. And, you know, some of those things you don't think about. No. Um, some of those things you have to learn by, you know, by taking yourself to the ER. Right. You know, you know better, yeah. but you're like, no, this time I'll be okay. And, yeah. and those, that's why you're like, Hey, everybody stop what you're doing. Don't do this certain thing. Did, did you notice that, um, the, the hoodie that he was wearing was not one that was supplied by me. Yeah. It was one of, one of his. Yeah. Um, if it had been one supplied by me, and I've done this before, pull the string out of it. I'll pull the string about halfway out, and I'll cut it, yeah. and then I'll grab the other side, and just pull it all the way out. Yeah. And they've even been like, "Well, why'd you do that?" And I was like, "Just you can thank me later." Yeah. Because you're using grinders, you're mm-hmm. using all sorts of things that are moving. The last thing you need is a string around your neck. No. Uh, so that's yeah. why carpenters don't wear ties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blacksmiths don't either. No, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. So there's also that that level of. Can you imagine how many times he's been hurt? Can you imagine? No, but he still has all his fingers. He does. He does. They don't all look straight. Neither do mine. Well, neither do mine. Yeah. I think that's part of it. It is. So you gotta. Yeah, it's an addiction. In a way, yeah, uh, of that dopamine that you get when you see a finished product, yeah, and uh, the the heartening thing about him is that whenever I look at him, I see someone. He said, "I'll admit to being seventy, but he makes it. I'm sure he's older than that, but he's still excited about it. He still enjoys life. He doesn't seem old or bitter or grumpy. No, or, and I'm like." That's something to aspire to. Yeah. I can introduce you to some very accomplished <laughs> craftsmen, but they're not fun to be around. Yeah. You know? And that's a lesson to me. I don't want to turn into that guy. Right. You know? Uh, and I'm sure that the guys that are old and grumpy, they have plenty of reasons to be that way. I'm sure they do, too. I'm sure Eric Hollenbeck does, too. He's got reasons he could be. Sure. But he's just made a decision that that's not who he's going to be. Yeah. That's a good point. And everybody, he's not the only one that benefits from it, right? 
everyone around him benefits from that, from him yeah. having that that um, disposition. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it allows everyone else to have a good disposition as well. Yeah, they're not on guard, <clears throat> you know. Yeah. Like they did. Working on that trolley, there was a lot of laughing, mm-hmm. joking, joking. Yeah, different things. The guy that worked for him asked him if he knew how to use a drill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's and that's not the thing. That's not the kind of thing you can do to your boss if you're afraid he's going to lose his temper and bite your head off. If right. he's in a bad mood that day, right? Like they were obviously like he. They have a rapport, and, right? You know, um, I just think he's doing so many things right. Yeah, that uh, it makes me want to pay attention and take notes. Yeah, and. Um, well, excited what to see, what what else comes down. That's just it. The these episodes are, um, they're just fantastic. Yeah, uh, subject matter, the people, all of that. So yeah. I'm just excited to be able to have a reason to watch them and then talk about them. Yeah. So, and there's there's they're simple, they're short, they're easily digestible. They're yeah, you know. Like you said, you come out of it feeling better than when you went in. Mm-hmm. And I promise if you leave it on automatic play, you'll let it run two or three episodes. <laughs> you know, it's just so Easily. easy. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, it's great. Especially like if you have downtime or it's holiday yeah. type thing where there's just something playing. They get, there's no beeped curse words no. or inappropriate any i mean it's just it's like the sort of thing that you could watch with the entire family yeah uh it's just it's really well done and it, it's nice to see things out that, it is. that are like that it is you know? like play with your mom being in the room yeah and your kids yeah exactly exactly so well is that where we leave it on this first episode i think it is okay i think it is well then um the next one we'll do will be episode two. So I'm excited about that. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. Well, till next time, Dwayne. All right, sir. All right. Thanks.